Day 46 of Heart Dive 365. I'm your Bible study friend, Kanoi. Welcome to the Heart Dive Podcast. Well, today, Aaron and his sons will be ordained as we read Leviticus chapters 8 through 10 out of the ESV by Crossway translation. But before we begin, as always, if you have been here for a while now, if you could partner with us by hitting that like button, that just helps to get these videos to continue to reach out all across the earth. Also, make sure you're subscribed to the channel. You got that notification bell on. And if you are new here, we say welcome. Let us know where you are in the world, where you're watching from, how you found this Bible study, and please make sure to check out either the show notes or the description box below if you have any questions at all about this Bible study. Most of that info will be found there, or you can always check out our website, heartdive.org. So our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, you are still holy, the same holy God that we read about in these scriptures today in the Old Testament. And so I just pray, Lord, that we will be able to see that on an even greater scale today. I pray that your glory will be revealed in every single word, everything that you speak to us. I pray that we will be open and we will receive it with such a pure heart, oh God. Will you clear out anything in our hearts that may be standing in the way or hindering our ability to be able to hear your voice? I pray that you will open up our eyes and our ears, that you will anoint us today, O God, that you will anoint us from our head all the way down to our toes, just the same way that these priests were anointed and consecrated. We want to be set apart for your purposes. And so I pray that you will also forgive us for our sins. Show us where we need to make something right. Lord, any place that we have trespassed, crossed over the line, or where we have simply sinned and fallen short, or we have missed the mark somewhere. If we have grieved your heart or hurt somebody else, Lord, I pray that before we try to to come here to this place of worship, if we have the ability to go and make it right, will you help us to do that? And we know that it isn't just for the benefit of that person, but it is for our benefit to be able to have that clear relationship with you. So help us also to forgive others, Lord. We love you so much and are so grateful for this time with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Starting off here in chapter eight, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, take Aaron and his sons with him and the garments and the anointing oil and the bull of the sin offering and the two rams and the basket of unleavened bread and assemble all the congregation at the entrance of the tent of meeting. And Moses did as the Lord commanded him and the congregation was assembled at the entrance of the tent of meeting. So this consecration of the priest is about to happen and it is a public event. It's going to happen in front of everyone. Why is that? I asked and I I thought, well, maybe they need that accountability to be able to declare that they are now being put into service. Maybe it was a way for the people to come together and corporately pray for the priests and their ordination. Verse five, and Moses said to the congregation, this is the thing that the Lord has commanded to be done. And Moses brought Aaron and his sons and washed them with water. And so Moses is the only one who is qualified to be able to do this for them. And just like any of us who are preparing for a big event, we're all going to get ready. You know, we're going to take a shower, we're going to get dressed, maybe put on some makeup. And God is the same way. He prepares us before He presents us. And Moses was prepared for 80 years, both as a prince of Egypt and as a shepherd in the desert before he was able to lead God's people into the promised land. Joseph prepared for decades before he was able to save and redeem his family. Jesus prepared 
for 30 years before he ever began ministering. And so, the greatest of people don't just pop out of nowhere. There is always a season of preparation. And these seasons are usually some of the toughest ones to get through. This is where you're going to put in the hard work. This is where you're going to go through the trials. And it seems like it lasts forever. Your spirit may even feel dry at times, but we got to hang in there because God is preparing you for something greater. So heart check. Are you in a season of preparation? Can you see how God is preparing you for something greater? And so how do we do this? Well, we first have to wash ourselves again, washing with the water, staying in the word. He cannot make us remember something if it isn't in our brain in the first place. If it isn't written on our hearts, how will we ever access those promises? And so even if you don't understand it right now, just stay faithful in it. Keep reading because eventually you will then remember something and be like, oh, that's what that meant. The Holy Spirit will allow you to pull from that resource that was planted down deep. Maybe at the time you didn't get it, but there will come a day where it will all make sense. Verse 7, and he put the coat on him and tied the sash around his waist and clothed him with the robe and put the ephod on him and tied the skillfully woven band of the ephod around him, binding it to him with the band. So, so the second step of preparation was to put on the robe to get dressed. So just like us, each day after we take our shower, we wash our face, brush our teeth, we have to pick an outfit. Spiritually, we we also have to wash ourselves with the word, but then we need to put our Jesus on whenever we shut this book. We can read all day, but if we are failing to wear the word throughout the day, then we're completely missing the mark. You see, each day you're going to have to pick a new outfit, a different outfit. Some days you might need a little more patience. You may need to choose to put on joy whenever you're feeling like you're in the dumps. You may need to grab the robe of righteousness whenever the enemy is trying to make you think that you aren't good enough for what you're about to do. You might need to grab a jacket of gentleness whenever you're on edge, or perhaps a sweater of self-control whenever you're running around frantic and you need to slow down. So heart check. What robe do you need to put on today? And if you need something to consult, just go to the fruit of the Spirit. Look at what needs to come out of that place of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's a good place to start. And then the girdle and sash speaks of service. How are we serving others today? The ephod would speak of authority. And of course, rightly used authority should always draw people to Jesus. It should never bring the glory to ourselves. And we will see that whenever that authority is misused, God is going to bring quick judgment upon that. Verse 8, and he placed the breast piece on him. And in the breast piece, he put the urim and the thummim. And remember these two things, we really don't know a whole lot about them, but it is thought that these were sort of like a yes and no type of coin where they would be used to help make decisions for people. And of course, they would be guided by God. It wasn't just a coin toss. And he set the turban on his head and on the turban in front, he set the golden plate, the holy crown, as the Lord commanded Moses. So the turban is a head covering, which symbolizes submission. So submission to the Father. We will never be given authority until we are under the authority of the Father. 
So that submission coming from a place of humility. Verse 10, then Moses took the anointing oil and anointed the tabernacle and all that was in it and consecrated them. So he is anointing all of the non-living things, making them holy, setting them apart. And he sprinkled some of it on the altar seven times and anointed the altar and all its utensils and the basin and its stand to consecrate them. So remember the number seven marks completeness or wholeness. And so this is saying that they are completely consecrated. And he poured some of the anointing oil on Aaron's head. So notice he sprinkled it on the non-living things, but poured it out on Aaron's head, which was a great amount, which shows a greater anointing to be placed on the priest. And he anointed him to consecrate him. So this is kind of that big moment of the whole ceremony, that moment of anointing. This is where they officially received that power to go out and serve. Wait, what? all of this preparation, and you're saying we got to serve people? If we truly want to live like Jesus, who came to serve and not be served, then the answer is yes. You see, the world is growing up with such a different mentality nowadays. It used to be that when kids were asked what they wanted to be whenever they grew up, the answers were things like doctor, teacher, policeman, all noble professions that served people. And today, the number one answer a lot of the times in the younger children and the tweens, it's influencer, YouTuber, celebrity. And while those things can indeed be a lucrative career and you can legitimately make a living doing it, it's not a bad thing. The idea of this stems from what it looks like on the outside. They see people traveling in private jets all over the world and getting brand deals and getting free stuff and being able to live the best life ever. But you know why only 1% of those striving to actually make it to the top? It's because it actually takes a lot of work and service to get there. There are dues to pay. And it's the ones who remain consistent in that who end up reaping the rewards. But 99% will fall off once they realize it ain't that easy to get to the point of being served. So heart check. How much of the work that you're doing is work to serve others? And Moses brought Aaron's sons and clothed them with coats and tied sashes around their waist and bound caps on them as the Lord commanded Moses. Then he brought the bull of the sin offering and Aaron and his sons laid their hands on the head of the bull of the sin offering. So this was transferring their sin to the offering and he killed it. And Moses took the blood and with his finger, put it on the horns of the altar around it and purified the altar and poured out the blood at the base of the altar consecrated it to make atonement for it. So this is symbolic of cleansing from sin. And he took all the fat that was on the entrails and the long lobe of the liver and the two kidneys with their fat, and Moses burned them on the altar. But the bull and its skin and its flesh and its dung he burned up with fire outside the camp as the Lord commanded Moses. Then he presented the ram of the burnt offering, and Aaron and his sons laid their hands on the head of the ram, and he killed it, and Moses threw the blood against the sides of the altar. He cut the ram into pieces, and Moses burned the head and the pieces and the fat. He washed the entrails and the legs with water, and Moses burned the whole ram on the altar. So this would represent the total commitment to the Lord. It was a burnt offering with a pleasing aroma, a food offering for the Lord, as the Lord commanded Moses. Then he presented the other ram, the ram of ordination, and Aaron and his sons laid their hands on the head of the ram, and he killed it, and Moses took some of its blood and put it on the lobe of Aaron's right ear and on the thumb of his right hand and on the big toe of his right foot. 
So if the blood is going to be doing the cleansing, this would be the cleansing of everything from the top of their head to the soles of their feet. And so everything that they hear, all the service that they do with their hands, and the way that they walk would be covered by the blood. And we can plead the blood of Jesus over everything that we hear, everything that we do, and the way that we walk as well. Then he presented Aaron's sons, and Moses put some of the blood on the lobes of their right ears, and on the thumbs of their right hands, and on the big toes of their right feet. And Moses threw the blood against the sides of the altar. Then he took the fat, and the fat tail, and all of the fat that was on the entrails, and the long lobe of the liver, and the two kidneys, with their fat and the right thigh. And out of the basket of unleavened bread that was before the Lord, he took one unleavened loaf, and one loaf of bread with oil, and one wafer, and placed them on the pieces of fat and on the right thigh. And he put all these in the hands of Aaron and in the hands of his sons and waved them as a wave offering before the Lord. So remember, the wave offering would be a way of saying, all of this belongs to you, Lord. And then the Lord would then give them a portion back to be able to consume. So it's like, this is your gift. Thank you, Lord, for allowing me to be able to use it. Then Moses took them from their hands and burned them in the altar with the burnt offering. This was an ordination offering with a pleasing aroma, a food offering to the Lord. And Moses took the breast and waved it for a wave offering before the Lord. It was Moses's portion of the ram of ordination as the Lord commanded Moses. Then Moses took some of the anointing oil and of the blood that was on the altar and sprinkled it on Aaron and his garments and also on his sons and his son's garments. So this would be the oil plus the fragrance. So that would be representing the sacrifice and the spirit. And this is almost kind of like a double anointing that they're getting. So he consecrated Aaron and his garments and his sons and his son's garments with him. And so remember what this word consecrated means. It actually means to fill the hands. But didn't we just read about not coming before the Lord with empty hands? What a juxtaposition, right? But not really. Because if we come to the Lord with our hands filled, but then we empty it out on the altar as an offering or a sacrifice, then we're essentially laying down everything that we bring to Him so that He can then fill our hands with what we need to be able to do the work. So it's like we are dying to our flesh and we are living as a sacrifice to Him. We bring our best, He gives better. We bring our willingness, He gives instruction. We bring our worries, He will give peace. We bring sadness, He gives joy. We bring sickness, He gives healing. We bring brokenness, He gives restoration. We bring ashes, He gives beauty. So heart check, have you put down what is in your hands? What are you going to allow Him to fill them with today? Verse 31, And Moses said to Aaron and his sons, Boil the flesh at the entrance of the tent of meeting, and there eat it and the bread that is in the basket of ordination, offerings, as I commanded, saying, Aaron and his sons shall eat it, and what remains of the flesh and the bread you shall burn up with fire. So this eating, this fellowship would be symbolic of a continual relationship with the Lord. And the fact that he is not allowing for any leftovers goes to show that they are one, trusting in his provision, but two, they are always allowing for their relationship or that communion to be fresh. And you shall not go outside of the entrance of the tent of meeting for seven days until the days of your ordination are completed, for it will take seven days to ordain you. 
And remember again, that number of seven is the number of completion. So it will take those seven days to continue this process over and over again. And I love this because it kind of shows us that again, God is going to kind of keep us hidden until we are complete and ready for service. So if you feel like you're being hidden away right now, take heart because again, God is preparing you for that day that he was going to bust open the doors and say, here is my daughter. Here is my son. Now they're ready. And Jesus invites us to his table to be able to dine with him. And that's such a beautiful picture because if you look at what eating is, I mean, eating is a personal experience. No one can eat for you. And you actually have to be the one to take in the food. So it's an inward thing that has to take place. And it's also active. You know, you cannot eat while you are sleeping and it comes from a need, but ultimately it satisfies. And that is the way our relationship with Christ is when we do dine with Him, when we do fellowship and commune with Him. It's a personal experience. We have this inward transformation. It comes from a need to be saved, to be given that grace and that mercy and to be forgiven. But ultimately, it brings that satisfaction that we're all craving. Verse 34, as has been done today, the Lord is commanded to be done to make atonement for you. At the entrance of the tent of meeting, you shall remain day and night for seven days, performing what the Lord has charged so that you do not die. For so I have been commanded. And Aaron and his sons did all the things that the Lord commanded by Moses. Chapter nine. Now on the eighth day, and remember the number eight represents new beginnings, Moses called Aaron and his sons and the elders of Israel. And he said to Aaron, take for yourself a bull calf. So a bull calf would have been the prescribed offering for the high priest. So this is for Aaron for a sin offering. So remember, sin needs to be dealt with before you can be consecrated, set apart and put into service. So that is what Aaron is having to do. And a ram for a burnt offering, both without blemish and offer them before the Lord. And say to the people of Israel, take a male goat for a sin offering and a calf and a lamb, both a year old without blemish for a burnt offering and an ox and a ram for peace offerings to sacrifice before the Lord and a grain offering mixed with oil for today, the Lord will appear to you. So this is their big chance. Moses is telling them, get to work, go and call for the offerings. That is their first directive. And so they do it. They brought what Moses commanded in front of the tent of meeting and all the congregation drew near and stood before the Lord. So this is that immediate and total obedience. And Moses said, this is the thing that the Lord commanded you to do, that the glory of the Lord may appear to you. So notice what is required for God's glory to appear. It's obedience. And it reminds me of the times that my parents used to tell me that if I wanted dessert, I needed to eat all my peas and carrots first. I don't know why they chose peas and carrots. It is beyond me, but okay. And I was not allowed to leave that table until every little morsel of a pea and a carrot was off my plate. So I would choke them down so that I could have a bite of sweetness at the end of my meal. And we all crave the sweetness of God's glory, but he is telling us that it will show up whenever we eat what is put in front of us first. We have to finish our peas and carrots. We need to listen to what he has already spoken before he will reward us with something greater. So it is in that daily obedience and the igniting of fires that we will begin to see glimpses of his glory revealed. So heart check, how have you seen God's glory revealed in your daily obedience? Are you simply looking for the fire rather than igniting it? 
Verse 7, then Moses said to Aaron, draw near to the altar and offer your sin offering and your burnt offering to make atonement for yourself and for the people and bring the offering of the people and make atonement for them as the Lord has commanded. So Aaron drew near to the altar and he killed the calf of the sin offering, which was for himself. So this was that personal responsibility. And the sons of Aaron presented the blood to him and he dipped his finger in the blood and put it on the horns of the altar and poured out the blood at the base of the altar. But the fat and the kidneys and the long lobe of the liver from the sin offering he burned on the altar as the Lord commanded Moses. The flesh and the skin he burned up with fire outside the camp. Then he killed the burnt offering, and Aaron's sons handed him the blood, and he threw it against the sides of the altar. And they handed the burnt offering to him piece by piece, and the head, and he burned them on the altar. And he washed the entrails and the legs and burned them with the burnt offering on the altar. Then he presented the people's offering and took the goat of the sin offering that was for the people and killed it and offered it as a sin offering like the first one. So this is now representing what is going to take place on the day of atonement every single year. He will be atoning for the sins of the people. And he presented the burnt offering and offered it according to the rule. And he presented the grain offering took a handful of it and burned it on the altar beside the burnt offering of the morning. Then he killed the ox and the ram, the sacrifice of the peace offerings for the people. And Aaron's sons handed him the blood and he threw it against the sides of the altar. But the fat pieces of the ox and of the ram, the fat tail and that which covers the entrails and the kidneys and the long lobe of the liver... They put the fat pieces on the breasts, and he burned the fat pieces on the altar. But the breasts and the right thigh, Aaron waved for a wave offering before the Lord, as Moses commanded. Then Aaron lifted up his hands toward the people, and he blessed them. And he came down from offering the sin offering and the burnt offering and the peace offerings. So this was their ultimate function as priests, to be able to be a blessing, to bless the people. Verse 23, And Moses and Aaron went into the tent of meeting, and when they came out, they blessed the people, and the glory of the Lord appeared to all of the people. So there it is. They did everything they were supposed to do, and the glory of God appeared as promised. Now, the people received a double blessing here, but the blessing would have never been given if there hadn't been a cleansing first. The priests cleansed themselves before they blessed the people. And again, the whole purpose of this blessing was so that they could then turn around and be a blessing to others. So heart check. Have you been blessed? Are you blessing others in return? Verse 24, and fire came out from before the Lord and consumed the burnt offering and the pieces of fat on the altar. And when all the people saw it, they shouted and they fell on their faces. So the fact that this fire has come down to consume the offering, this is showing that God is accepting their offering. And now he has lit the fire that will be perpetually lit by the priests. It will keep the fire burning. And that is symbolic of the fact that God will accept all future offerings as well, as long as that fire continues to burn and the people are bringing their offerings with the right heart. Chapter 10. Now Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, these are the oldest sons, each took his censer and put fire in it and laid incense on it and offered unauthorized fire before the Lord, which he had not commanded them. So this also is translated to strange fire. Basically, they're doing something they shouldn't be doing on that altar. 
And so the fire came out from before the Lord and consumed them, and they died before the Lord. Then Moses said to Aaron, This is what the Lord has said. Among those who are near me, I will be sanctified, and before all the people, I will be glorified. And Aaron held his peace. So what God is saying here is that I will not share my glory with any man or with any ministry. So Nadab and Abihu may have been trying to actually draw attention to themselves in this offering. We never really know what they did in particular, but drawing from the reference and the context of what God does in this chapter, it seems like that may be what was taking place here is that they were trying to draw glory for themselves. And Moses called Mishael and Elzaphan, the sons of Uziel, the uncle of Aaron, and he said to them, come near and carry your brothers away from the front of the sanctuary and out of the camp. So these are actually their cousins. And because of their rebellion, he wants their bodies to be taken outside the camp. So they came near and carried them in their coats out of the camp, as Moses had said. And Moses said to Aaron and to Eliezer and Ithamar, his sons, do not let the hair of your heads hang loose and do not tear your clothes, lest you die and wrath come upon all the congregation. But let your brothers, the whole house of Israel, bewail the burning that the Lord has kindled. So in other words, do not mourn for them, because in doing so, you will be ultimately saying that God's judgment wasn't correct. And there is another place in the Bible where God will not allow someone to mourn their wife because of the sin that she committed. And do not go outside the entrance of the tent of meeting lest you die, for the anointing oil of the Lord is upon you. And they did according to the word of Moses. And the Lord spoke to Aaron. So this is the only time that he speaks directly to Aaron alone saying, drink no wine or strong drink you or your sons with you when you go into the tent of meeting lest you die. So this is another reference that we may think that Nadab and Abihu had been drinking and perhaps drunk whenever they brought this unauthorized fire. It shall be a statute forever throughout your generations. So in other words, the priest shall never drink while ministering because it clouds your judgment and God knows that. And so that is why he's putting it into place. And we, of course, will see later on the commandment being that you shall not get drunk on wine. So I'm not over here judging anybody for drinking. I personally am not a drinker, just don't like it. I'm allergic to it. But there is definitely a reason why he is saying, don't do it whenever you're going into the temple. You are to distinguish between the holy and the common and between the unclean and the clean. And you are to teach the people of Israel all the statutes that the Lord has spoken to them by Moses. So here is the fundamental purpose of the laws to be able to distinguish between holy and unholy and the clean and the unclean and to also be able to teach the people. And Moses spoke to Aaron and to Eliezer and Ithamar, his surviving sons, take the grain offering that is left of the Lord's food offerings and eat it unleavened beside the altar for it is most holy. You shall eat it in a holy place because it is your due and your sons due from the Lord's food offerings for so I am commanded. But the breast that is waved and the thigh that is contributed, you shall eat in a clean place. You and your sons and your daughters with you for they are given as your due and your sons due from the sacrifices of the peace offerings of the people of Israel. So this is the provision that God is giving to Aaron and his family, including the daughters, the thigh that is contributed and the breast that is waved, they shall bring with the food offerings of the fat pieces to wave for wave offerings before the Lord. And it shall be yours and your sons with you as a due forever, as the Lord has commanded. So here we see the mercy of God allowing Aaron to remain as high priest, despite what his sons have done. Verse 16. 
Now Moses diligently inquired about the goat of the sin offering. So what is he doing by diligently inquiring here? He is making sure that the sins of his sons are not carrying over into any other part of worship, into anything else that they're doing. And behold, it was burned up. And he was angry with Eleazar and Ithamar, the surviving sons of Aaron, saying, Why have you not eaten the sin offering in the place of the sanctuary, since it is the thing most holy and has been given to you that you may bear the iniquity of the congregation to make atonement for them before the Lord? So why didn't you do what you were supposed to be doing? Well, if we're going to give them a little bit of grace here, I mean, Aaron has just seen his sons die. Eleazar and Ithamar have just seen their brothers die, and they were consumed by the fire. And so, I'm sure that they're sitting there thinking, I don't know if I want to eat that. I'm scared of what God might do. I might do it wrong. I might cross the line. Or maybe even they just didn't have an appetite after seeing that. But the thing is, is that failing to eat the sacrifice will actually fail the prophetic picture of Jesus coming to be the sacrifice for us. When he says, if you do not eat of my body and drink of my blood, you have no part with me. And so this has to take place. Again, this is showing the need for strict obedience to what God commands. And it is always because whatever God commands, it is for our good. Behold, its blood was not brought into the inner part of the sanctuary, you certainly ought to have eaten it in the sanctuary as I commanded. And Aaron said to Moses, behold, today they have offered their sin offering and their burnt offering before the Lord. And yet such things as these have happened to me. If I had eaten the sin offering today, would the Lord have approved? So there it is. Aaron is saying, I was worried and perhaps they were worried too, that because this is happening and they saw that, that it would happen to them. And when Moses heard that, he approved. So essentially, Moses saw the heart of Aaron, that he was not acting out of rebellion. So in the end here, we see a very different dealing with sin between two sets of brothers, Nadab and Abihu quickly consumed by the fire of judgment, while Eleazar and Ithamar, they're met with grace and mercy. And if all sin is deserving of death, well, where's the difference here? It's a matter of the heart once again, and God can always see beyond what we can see. The first two sinned out of disrespect and rebellion, whereas the other two were simply failing due to weakness and inability, not because they were trying to gain glory for themselves. And if you are even here today, that proves that your heart is one that is seeking the mercy and the grace of God and not trying to take glory for yourself. So you can rest in that grace and that forgiveness that has been poured out upon Eleazar and Ithamar. So let's take a look at some of our deep dive questions. Why were priests needed in Israel? What purpose did they serve? Why do you think it was important for the ordination of the priests to be a public event? Can you see the significance in each of the consecration details today? How significant is the eighth day, both here and throughout the Bible? And how is it significant today? How is the glory of God manifested today? And how can we experience it? And what are some strange fires that might be offered today? So Heavenly Father, we thank you for reminding us of the seriousness of total obedience. Forgive us where we have treated your holiness or your commands with disrespect or even acting out in complete rebellion. Forgive us if we have ever tried to steal glory from you. And we thank you for the grace and mercy that you have continued to show us. The fact that we are still breathing means that we are still usable by you as a living vessel. So I pray that we will be hyper aware of your commands from this day forward so that we do not miss a step and so that we are able to see your glory revealed. 
I pray for those who may be coming out of a moment of failure. Will you help them, Lord, to remain steadfast in the faith and not to be discouraged by their own shortcomings or by anyone else's? Help us all to be steadfast in what you have called us to do on the daily. I pray that we aren't looking for fire, but that we are igniting it through our obedience. If there is any sin that may be hindering us from being used to our fullest potential, I pray that we will deal with it today and place it at the altar. Thank you, Jesus, for your atoning sacrifice. Help us to fully repent and walk away from what may be holding us captive. We know that we are all being prepared for something greater. So I pray that we will follow every single step that we need to take in order to ensure that we are true representatives of the royal priesthood. And when we receive that blessing, I pray that we will in turn be a blessing to others. May we wash every single day by the water of your word and choose the right outfit that is needed for each day. I pray for discernment to distinguish between holy and unholy, clean and unclean. We thank you, Lord, for anointing and cleansing our ears, our hands and our feet so that we can hear your voice and so that we can serve others and walk in accordance to your will. I pray that whatever we bring to the altar will be laid out before you so that you can fill our hands with your goodness. Thank you for the gift of communion and for your mercies that are new every single day. I pray that we approach each day with a fresh perspective and a newness of heart so that we can sustain and continue to grow our relationship with you. Thank you for even wanting to spend time with us. We are so grateful for the eighth day of new beginnings. I pray that we treat every single day as such. We love you so much. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Heaven and salvation is a divine gift that is given to us by grace. None of us deserve it. In fact, the Bible says that the wages of sin is death and every single one of us have fallen short and then we desperately need someone to pay that price. And Jesus did it. He didn't do it because we are righteous on our own merit. He did it because he loves us and he wants to spend eternity with us. But it won't happen if we don't receive him before we leave this earth as Lord and Savior. Hell is a very real thing, and there is no second chance after we take our last breath here. So I want to be able to give someone the opportunity today who is saying, I'm ready. I've never given my life to Christ. I don't know where I'm going to end up after I die. But I don't want to live another day without knowing beyond a shadow of a doubt where I am going to end up. I see now that this is real and I want to believe. So if that is you, we're going to say a prayer and I'm going to put the words on the screen so that you can say them audibly with your mouth because the Bible says that when you believe and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and that he died and rose again, then you will be saved. So we're going to say this prayer together. Believe it in your heart, speak it with your mouth and know that this is indeed the day of your salvation. Dear Heavenly Father. Thank you for Jesus. Jesus, thank you for dying for me. I believe that you came, you died, and you rose again. I confess my sins to you today, and I turn from them, and I now live my life for you. I know that I am forgiven of all my sins, so I receive you now as Lord and Savior, and I belong to you, Jesus. I pray these things in Jesus' name, amen.